I mean he's an impersonator. A fake. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you the following urgent announcement. You, yes you, put down that oversized bottle of scrumpy and listen here. Do you like being entertained? Do you like television? Well, do we have the show for you. Built for people who love TV, where three rapscallions dissect two television shows, one old and one not so old, for a probable audience of one. It's time for Hardly TV History. Hello and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hardly TV History, the show where three idiots talk about two television shows for a probable audience of one. My name is Shannon and as usual I'm joined here by both Jake and Christian. Hello you smokeheads. <laughs> you stole <Such>. my joke. <laughs> <laughs> hey great, we've been spending far too much time together obviously because we're doing the same gags. Um, so uh, that's a little hint of what uh, what shows we are covering uh, this week, uh, we're doing both Red Dwarf and The Last Man on Earth. And, of course, the tangential link there is uh, that it's the last man uh, survivor, the last person on Earth, effectively. Although the on-Earth part doesn't really work because one of them's in a spaceship. But the last person... One's going to Earth and one's on Earth, so... Yeah, but the, effectively the last person alive is effectively uh, what we're what we're focused on. Right. And and they do they do tackle that uh, that topic in uh, in a very different way I think one obviously pure pure comedy and the other look it wants to be a comedy that's it, yeah, uh, that's, it, yeah. it's it's sort of got its one toe in the water of comedy I think yeah well, I'm really I'm actually looking forward to this episode because there's a, this this show because there's actually a fair few similarities between these these shows and you're right they do tackle the same kind of underlying theme or idea in a, in a very in very different ways um, and I think they're both kind of products of the times that they were created in so this should be a good one yeah look and and uh, so red dwarf is is quite an older uh, show uh, and last man standing is is relatively new and I think only recently got cancelled and finished up so let's start with the old show first as per our very vague running sheet that we never ever just follow ever. Uh, so who's doing which one's red, who's doing Red Dwarf? Christian. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do Red Dwarf. So Red Dwarf is a science fiction comedy uh, show following a fellow named Dave Lister, who is a janitor slash repairman on a giant spaceship called Red Dwarf. Um, we never really find out what the Red Dwarf is actually doing, but basically the episode introduces us to um, Lister and his supervisor slash sidekick Rimmer who is a, uh, another more senior technician. Um, and basically the first episode takes us through a day in the, in the life of Lister, uh, his very mind-numbing, boring job that he really doesn't do very well, doesn't put very much in, effort into, um, his adventures and, uh, and, and misadventures with the other members of the Red Dwarf crew and his eventual locking in cryogenic storage uh, as punishment for smuggling a cat aboard the ship against regulations. <laughs> Unfortunately for Lister, there's some kind of malfunction or some kind of issue resulting with him being frozen in time in cryostasis for three million years. When he emerges from cryostasis, we have a really great scene where the ship's robot, uh, not ship's robot, the ship's computer tells him, everybody's dead, Dave. Dave, everybody's dead. Dave moves through the ship saying, what, even Rimmer? Everybody's dead, Dave. <laughs> Even the captain, Dave, everybody is dead. And then Dave says, oh, what? You mean everyone's dead? And I think that that sequence kind of sums up the entire ethos and feel of Red Dwarf. What do you guys... I'm seeing you guys nodding, so I, I think you kind of agree. Everybody's dead, Dave. Dave, everybody is dead. Is yeah. uh, is my favourite one of those, of that many, many jokes. And I think it's one of those lines you can just say in a bar or in a social group with the people you just met, and if there's a fellow Red Dwarf fan in there, everybody, they'll, they will join in. You know, Yes, Dave, everybody's dead. Dave, everybody's dead. It's, it's quintessential British humour, and I think probably a lot of our audience probably doesn't either know about this show, even though it is, it's, I, would, I would classify it as a cult show, yep. um, but it, it's so, not... As well known here, I think, as as in the UK, and it's certainly probably avoided because of its setting. I think it's probably immediately kind of classified as nerdy, putting the in the same category as like Star Trek and and those types of shows, where it's 
really it's it's a pure comedy and and the setting you know they derive some some of the humor from the setting but it's it's really a pure comedy at heart yeah and you get a lot of bottle episodes in, the, in this show like you you're in a spaceship you can't really move around too much in the first in the first uh, few episodes so I, I love i love that they make it the most boring character on the whole ship like he he has the worst job he has the lowest rank he's basically the space janitor as christian said uh, and then you've got the superior who thinks he's way more superior than what he is to be the second technician, uh, Rimmer, who is, um, well, he's a smeghead, to be honest. He, he is. He is a smeghead. Uh, uh, and I think Lister makes the point to, to Rimmer that Rimmer, is, it, Rimmer outranks Lister, but even Rimmer ranks below the service robots. <laughs> that They actually have a higher rank, and Lister makes a fantastic joke, which is, but that's just because they've got a better union than us. Now... First, well, let's talk cast first because there's a lot I want to say about this show. Because I will put it on, um, on the table here, all the all the cards on the table. This show was one of my formative comedy. You know, this this is kind of why I have a sense of humor. I think this show because I got into this relatively early, and of course, um, I dragged Jake kicking and screaming <laughs> along uh, for the ride, as most of the things that we we do. But I genuinely love uh, this show, and I've seen it many many times. But going, I haven't seen it for a long time. So going back to the uh, to the pilot, the the cast is phenomenal. I think incredibly important for a show that, by its own design, can't have a lot of cast members. Right. So once once the the deed is done and it, they wake up, you are effectively left with Lister Rimmer and a being that has um, evolved from uh, Lister's pregnant cat. So they have <laughs> they have bred and then and bred and bred and bred until they're as an evolved character, uh, which is just known as Cat. Um, and so they're they're the three you've got left. That is the whole show. Well, no, you've, also, a, you've also got Holly, um, who's a, Holly, who's the sorry the ship's the computer, computer. Of yeah. So it's a character um, themselves, yeah. But it's effectively three. You know, this pilot episode, this three people, this core. So you do get. The, the, the ship is very well filled out in terms of its characters while everyone's alive. And there's a, a captain, an American captain, and a number of other characters. There's a female character, Kachansky, who Lister has a massive crush on, and a bunch of other characters that, you know, are just there for the purposes of being killed, you know, through the through the perils of time. Um, and eaten by, by Lister, it's fair to say. He, he does eat a lot of the ship and walks around. And so, you know, he... But it's, it's really well cast. It's incredibly important, as Jake said. You know, they made... Lister, the dirtiest, grubbiest kind of person. He's a slob by by nature, and Rimmer is kind of the mm. anti. So it is an, an odd couple in space, really. Rimmer, all even though he's killed, is brought back as a hologram because he's the he's the one character that Lister has spent the most time with. So they bring him back as as the uh, as his companion, so he doesn't go insane. And then of course we've got Cat, yeah. but they are very very distinct characters played impeccably by each of the cast members, but they are. They feel very fleshed out in this episode on its own. But yeah, this is a real TV show. You have a, a, a human evolved from a, a cat. You have a hologram, as Shannon just kind of glazed over. And then you have one actual human life form left, other than a, the ship's computer, which is Holly. It is a real TV show. Just putting that out there, but it sounds it sounds ridiculous. Probably one of the most ridiculous shows we've covered so far. But but that's that's what it washes up to. It washes up to an odd couple in space, and and the space setting. You know, to me, enhances the comedy, but it could be kind of anywhere with these characters. Just talking about the characters, can I just get us to focus on the character of Cat for a moment? Because that is some whacked out kind of thinking that they they had this odd couple in space. Like that all makes sense. I'm just imagining the mood in the writers' room when somebody I don't. You got this vision of like an Elon Musk type, you know, scene where there's someone smoking weed, and all of a sudden they go, "What if, what if we made the cat evolve into a person?" <laughs> and then. I think the the fellow who plays Cat, whose name is um, Danny John Jules, he actually performs that role so well. And the whole thing is actually really built on physical comedy, the affectations and the movements. He has a very, very feline movement, um, feline element to his movement, which he does really, really well. And even when... When he first runs into into Lister and Rimmer in the in the hallway, he goes, "Oh, I'm going to make myself big," and he puffs himself up like a cat would, and it, it is done really, really well. I I, I really enjoyed. But that they've scene. also taken the the sophistication of cats, the how they kind of look down on everyone else, and they they have that proper uh, attitude, and yes. they've brought that into his fashion. He looks impeccable, like compared to compared to um, mm-hmm. Lister, he looks 
impeccable. He's got a nice shiny suit. His eyebrows are brushed. His hair's done perfectly. Uh, he, he's the the immaculate version of uh, what was of a Kakabe. Oh yeah, and then Lister makes like a, a bowl of food and puts it on the floor for him because he's assuming he's a cat, so he's going to eat it from a bowl off the ground. And Cat he recoils from this. He's like, "You you dirty apes, eat from bowl, eat from the floor. What's wrong with you?" I, I, I think. I, you know, I think of this as a bit of a dumb comedy in terms of it's, I think, I probably looking back on it, I, I kind of remember some of the, the dumber jokes and the kind of more broad jokes. I think this pilot is really clever writing and, and foreshadowing and a whole bunch of stuff that is layered in here is really, really clever. I, and I, the very opening scene um, is what I assume is Lister painting the outside of the ship. And, yes, it, and it gives a sense of scale. So he's painting the F in Red Dwarf, and it pulls right back to show how big, how small those letters are on an otherwise overwhelming ship. Because one of the initial things of trying to get an understanding of you know someone locked on a spaceship is you think claustrophobia, right? Well, in this ship is this ship is massive. It's it's absolutely huge, and so it's all done with models. Planet, kind of. it's, it's so big. It's, it's so big. So that, so yes, you would be kind of isolated, but it gives you an understanding of how something like the cat could be squirreled away. And, and evolve and have kind of their own area within the ship that they could breed and breed and breed. So I think that was really clever early on to show the scale in a real, in a shorthand way. There's no dialogue, there's no exposition. It's simply just showing that scale. I love that the cat remembers the story of his ancestor as like a Bible, oh, you know, and talking about yes. cloister the stupid. And so those details have been kind of brought down and down and down, even though there's no no way that that could have actually been transferred from Frankenstein, the original cat, all the way down. But, you know, the ancient tomes, these ancient books, and then he gets the, the destination wrong. He's Fuchsia rather than Fiji. And, you know, that's really smart, I think. I love how Lister's not offended that he's, he's cloistered as stupid. Like he's, he, he's just, he, he pauses, but he's... He's paused, he's not, but on Lister the stupid. And he's just, he, he, he loves the fact that he's being honoured like a god. And... It, uh, there, there's some seriously good writing in this show, and I, I think, based back on the story and and how it's structured as a pilot, I think it actually does a really good job of kind of pacing the first episode, where you kind of get all the information of what it was, what the scale of the ship. You know, they're very clever to say there was 169 people on this on this ship. Why can't can't you two get along? Like they're very clever on how they explain the grandeur of this of the ship and how the, the ship works. Even explaining holograms very very early and very clearly. Um, I just think, I just think they, they broke down the story really well in the, in the first 30-minute runtime, how they went from kind of the first 20 minutes is building up to the death and then the last 10 minutes of him kind of exploring and um, being by himself. Yeah, and they really they really kind of buttonhole that last 10 minutes pretty, pretty well, yeah. don't they? Like you have the realisation he's alone. There's a couple of gags about... Um, the only use you could have for your Kaczynski now, the girl that he was really fond of, is to you know, to put some grit on the driveway in winter if it's if it's snowing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really, and, and, you know that shouldn't be funny, but but it is. But that the the thing you were talking about before, Shannon, with the the remembrance of the ancient stories, and I remember that scene as well. And I remember the, when the cat says, "Oh, those stories, no one believes in them. No one takes them literally." Yeah. And that's actually a really clever joke that I didn't get when I first saw this show. I was like a, a when I was a young guy, um, but I actually makes sense now. But, but you think back in the eighties, like that would have been a, a, a very topical thing because it wasn't that long after Monty Python doing you know, the Wife of Brian and um, and things like that in, in um, sort of the late seventies uh, and, and revisiting like the Bible stories and, and sort of poking fun out of them. So it, it's a bit of a product of its time as well. But the, 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 that joke is on one level, and then you've got the jokes about you know. The, the the witty sort of dialogue with Smeghead and the jokes about turning um, vaporized people into you know, um, gravel for, for footpaths. Yeah, and yeah, and, and there's there's nothing that dates this in terms of the dialogue. None of the jokes are dated, um, and you know, having as we we keep sort of going as you go through, there's there's pop culture references and stuff for normal shows uh, are really layered, and they date a show instantly. There's nothing in this pilot that you immediately go, well, I don't understand what that means or, you know, it's it's a product of its time. It, it genuinely feels timeless as a pilot. Um, and I think it, it, it's it's classic work in 22 or 23 minutes time. Like it's it's an, it's a half an hour sitcom with ads. So it's, 
you know, it's really smartly layered and real. And a lot of the there's no fat in this in this pilot at all. You know, yeah, the the sets look a bit crappy, and the, you know, it's very it's kind of it's bland to look at. Like, yeah, it looks like a spaceship. It, it, it's a very um, industrial looking spaceship, I suppose. But you, but you've also got I mean the hologram itself that that animation is that makes it look a little bit dated. But what what they're talking about and even like the kind of the the futuristic technology like we're kind of at that point now where you could assume that these things would be on a spaceship where you have a talking computer like your like you know your Google or your Siri. They're, that's basically what Holly is a lot more advanced version of what they are. But um, but I also think it does a really good job of showing the relationships very quickly as well. Like you, you instantly get that that relationship between Lister and Rimmer, how Lister thinks he's superior, thinks he's smarter than everyone, taking the exam and failing miserably, and I think it's just it's just layered really well, and it just all the relationships speak very very quickly and very very uh, on point for for a pilot episode. Yeah, and and the thing is, Dave Dave's well liked. Like th- that small scene where he's been taken to stasis is that the commanding officer that's doing that. He's kind of like, no one wants to do this to you. We, we actually want you to stick around. He knows everyone on the ship. He's kind of a bit of a party animal, I think. So he's well-liked. And he's paired with Rimmer, who nobody likes because, well, he's a smeghead. And so that great scene where, you know, that that final line is, well, now, now, Rimmer, you are a smeghead. You know, like <laughs> there's all that stuff is really well-layered. And as, as you said, Jake, it's really good shorthand about where the pecking order is on the ship. You understand immediately the captain is there, you know, Lister's really well liked. He's a bit of a slob, but he's he's a good guy, and and he's paired with the worst guy on the ship. And you know, the cruel fate is that the person that they bring back to pair him together with is the person he dislikes the most. And that's uh, that's such a classic pairing, but it's a smart way of getting to that point. It, it is, and, and the tension that creates is is really quite amusing. So we've talked about the the things that are really good about this episode. I'm going to. Um, I'm going to bring a bit of realism into this and a bit of uh, stop us us fanboying over it it so much. Looking at this episode now, it was the first time I'd seen it in a a long, long time. Um, I found myself getting a bit bored because the the, the jokes and the humour really is in the dialogue and the physical comedy of of, of Cat. There's being in a, in a very control, in a a very small sort of space. Obviously the sets are very small. Um, There's not a lot of, I suppose, uh, action, for you to actually see um you don't see any you know big vistas there's nothing apart from the physical comedy of these three sort of characters on the screen you don't really see obviously you don't see anybody else because there's no one else around alive but you don't actually see anything else sort of funny happening um there's nothing there's no funny props that are sort of brought in like we have in our in our our other show that we're going to talk about um and that can be very disengaging for people you know what do you you think about that it's it's clearly a it's a it's a victim of its budget it's clearly a very cheap Mm. show it's it's a three or four set in front of a live studio audience sitcom. So it's it's cheap and clearly any special effects in that time would have been kind of hard to pull off. So you don't get a lot of the the the, the action. But I suppose for a pilot, you, you, you're more worried about world building than you are about action. And I suppose that's that's the payoff, I think, to get all of the all of the uh, you know the, the world building done within 22 minutes, 23 minutes. But it's it's really really risky because mm. if you don't identify with one of those three main characters, you're kind of going to struggle liking the show. And I, I I personally I think I think I know it's very rare, but I don't like Cat as a character. I know it's oh. controversial, Ooh. but I think Ooh. I think Cat's probably the worst part of the show. I, I if I had to choose a worst part of the show, it would be the Cat. And <laughs> um, I I instantly love the the Lister and and. Um, Rimmer relationship. I just feel like the cat was kind of forced in in this pilot episode. Um, it, it makes sense why he's there, but they left it kind of the last two minutes to really introduce him, and and um, it, it went from being scared of him to kind of instantly loving him really, really quickly, which I thought was a bit a bit forced. Uh, I think it probably could have waited to the second episode for him to be revealed, but that's just my thinking. All right, quick rebuttal. Uh... Obviously, you're wrong because the the shittest character in the whole show is obviously Rimmer. I mean, he, he's he's a yeah, he, he is a snake. And clearly, Cat is is the best character oh, out of the whole lot. Like, what is no, that that's, he's a snakehead, but he drives the comedy. Him him being such a, an oblivious snakehead makes it hilarious. 
Yeah, but you need in order for that to be funny, you need him to have listed there. Cat is funny just by himself. You see half his scenes, you see him wandering around the hallways by himself, and it, it is it is the most entertaining he's thing. Squealing. Partly because he's so well. Yeah, but him squealing isn't isn't funny. It does. It does allow. It does allow those guys to to have a, an antagonistic relationship with an extra. I think this this show, and I think the characters are a victim of its of its circumstance because ideally you would have a female character in the in the main cast in the main body, which you can't mm. do to drive that loneliness and you know, Lister kind of pining over Kachansky and that that kind of clearly setting up for a this is all he's got. And so you would ideally have a female cast in there, but that that makes it difficult. The other thing that I immediately struck me was the idea to make uh, uh, Rimmer a, a hologram who can't touch anything, and <laughs> and so that that's that's funny in the first episode, but that clearly presents issues in terms of what what they can do and what he can do going forward, right? Like that's what I was thinking, and I know the show backwards, so you know. That's that's going to present an issue if if your one of your lead characters can't pick anything up or, or hold anything is very funny for the pilot. But I thought that that immediately penned themselves into an issue. Same with the Last Man on Earth issue is that you're stuck. In, you can't bring new characters in. You can't do anything. So that was my immediate thought of they've really hemmed themselves in hard on this on this concept. And maybe they thought they'd only get a season or two out of it. I don't know. Well, I think probably, probably like most of the British shows, they don't probably weren't planning for a long run like the Americans would have normally. And this, this was 1988. So this was actually the same year I was born. This was released, so they they probably weren't thinking really long term. But they, they, they you're right, and they, they really did pen, pin themselves in because you, you got to either leave the ship or find new areas of the ship um, to explore, and that's what I think that's where they kind of fell down planning wise yeah if you think about the office the american office right in terms of just the baseline mm. for, for, for situation comedy is it's very easy for them to go out and have adventures to go and meet new people you can bring a multitude of different cast members in you can have new people start people leave there's a there's a way a really easy way of rotating that in a believable way someone quits someone starts that's that's just how offices works everyone's but when you're the premise is you are the only person left alive in the entire universe you suddenly run short of what you can do in a believable sense, and so that's that's what I thought was interesting is in the in the very conceit of it, and clearly, um, the next show we'll talk about has the same issue, um, is that is that what you do, you're stuck with your character, and if you don't like the three characters you're immediately stuck with, you're out because you know that they're it, right? So that becomes that becomes difficult uh, to 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 world build when you've got so few characters. Yeah. I think if they hadn't, the show hadn't been made in the '80s. If it had come out a little bit later, and after a bit more science fiction had sort of come out, I think you might have seen them introduce Rimmer instead of being a um, hologram. Maybe they would have made him like a clone or something who'd been grown in a vat in preparation for Lister to have been, um, you know, brought back out of, out of sleep or whatnot. Um, but then, of course, you wouldn't really have had the same um, scene where you see Rimmer pining over over his pile of ashes and lamenting his death and and complaining about it, which was you know part of the scene, and that's part of like Rimmer has to be a tragic character and a, and a, and, a, and a martyr. Yeah, that's a that's a big part of his, what, what drives him and kind of what makes him so insufferable, the, such an insufferable snake. The, the one thing I didn't like and I thought was a bit forced and probably laboured and and probably treated the audience dumber than the audience is is the explanation of the of the of the hologram through the funeral and then we're now going to celebrate him coming back and that whole thing you could have just shown that rather than told us that and i think that was really labored and forced as a joke and it went on far too long you could have you really could have just had a funeral and then the next day he's he's back with a nature on his head and someone says, oh, you're the hologram and you move on. I just thought yeah. that whole thing was just... The, the rebirth is probably the, the slowest part of the whole the whole show. But they, they did keep chugging it along, showing that, you know, that Lister is the is the party man and has the the, the core group of friends. And Rimmer's still on the side, like, learning when he should be participating. And they had a few a few good gags in there. Um, I, 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 like you said, they, they did explain it way too much. Like, you know, please don't walk through him because he can't touch anything and yeah, all that just, kind of stuff. But, you yeah. could have shown us. I think that the, the joke there is show rather than tell. And I think that's where you get a lot of the physical comedy with Cat 
is not dialogue yep. but his physicality and and i would have Correct. i would have loved that more with some of those other gags i just it felt really labored um whereas there's really smart writing in other areas and then this one was a bit meh so that was my only real criticism of the show other than probably the cheap sets and you know backgrounds that wobble and stuff <laughs> the free the freeze frame on on lister when he oh, gets frozen that way, is just, oh, it's just cool. <laughs> stop you know like it so that you can see that the budget is doesn't extend very far but it is I think a really quality show for the for what you get. Um, I love Chris Barry as Rima. I, I have to disagree, Christian. I think he's actually the best part of this. I agree. Um, there is something there is something very appealing about a bloke who wants to be more than he is, who desperately is trying, but has absolutely no natural talent. Um, the the mere fact that he um, wants to pass the exam by cheating and still thinks that's an achievement, but he stuffs the cheating up so badly. He he can't actually be good at cheating. He's just a- he's the worst at everything. Um, yeah, uh, and I, I kind of like how you, you it revealed to you that Rimmer is actually the reason why everybody yeah. died. Yeah. yeah, because he failed to repair something, and even and even then he tries to blame Lister for that for being locked up. Yeah, for, for yeah so it's <laughs> everyone else's fault but his. And and he wants yeah. desperately wants to be a, just a high ranking officer, and that's all he wants in life. He doesn't actually want to do a good job. He doesn't want to do anything other than just be that. But he is physically and you know mentally incapable of doing anything well. I, I love that character. Is that over pompous, overbearing idiot? Is such a great character versus a guy who just kind of embraces his slovenliness and his idiocy. He's he's happy being who he is. But you and know, I love that parent. You but you got to look at it, the guys. The guys so delusional that. You know, if he gets his foot stood on, he's going to he reports him for mutiny. Yeah. Maliciously with intent to wound. Yeah. Like, it's just, the guy is just delusional in his grandeur and his importance to the ship. But it, it, I, I, I love every word that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. What about this, that first scene where he, where Rimmer says he's going to be writing Lister up for, um, you know, quietly humming and then not speaking. Yeah. But <laughs> that that rapid fire dialogue and that whole scene with this with the superior officer there is just a perfectly mm. paced, worked out, smart you know scene that would wouldn't be out of place in any comedy. Like it just works so well, and it and it does so much to show you the characters. But there's um, also there's also other things like the things that you see in the background, like when he goes, "Is this a? I think it's a, is it a fourteen F or a fourteen A?" Yeah. And then he picks up both. They look exactly the same, but he puts the wrong one back. Yeah, he's he doesn't even know what the hell he's talking yeah. about. So he puts he, the wrong one back and uses the one that he got originally because he didn't know the difference. I, yeah. I just I just love little stuff like that. Like they're not that's when they don't spoon feed you the comedy. They, you know, here's what it is on the screen. Either get it or you don't. And then it's a bit a little bit disappointing in the middle there where they have to explain things to you. Yeah, it's 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 a very peculiarly British type of comedy though. Isn't it is. It? You have to really appreciate that sort of dry. British sense of humour to enjoy this show. If you're expecting to watch something slapstick or um, like I'm trying to think of, you know, if you're a fan of like the Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoons or something, for example, you wouldn't actually find this yeah. very, very amusing at all. My my one complaint I actually want to have about the show is they, they did a really poor job of editing out the laugh track. Some of the stuff, because, I mean, I literally know the show back to front. I know that this episode back to front, I've literally could walk around the house reciting it because I've seen it so many times. But when I wasn't watching it, I was listening to it in the background, you lose some of that dialogue. If you didn't have subtitles on, you'd actually lose it because they let the laugh track run way too quickly. Uh, too, sorry, too long. Because the, because the jokes are so snappy and they're so funny and they're quick, they're quick, you lose some of that because of the laugh soundtrack, which is actually really a really weird choice. Well, it's, it's, it's live audience. So I think the, the sound issues are because they were recorded live and, and haven't picked up what they need to pick up. So yeah. the, the mix is what they could do with what they had. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, obviously... And, and not a lot of shows are shot in front of a studio audience nowadays for that reason. It's because you can't, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have that. They don't use the original dialogue. They use a pre-recorded laugh track from yeah. other shows because it does, it really, there's some of the stuff that, I was listening to it. I'm like, you can't really hear what he's saying, but I know what he's saying because I've seen it so many times. Um, especially, I think it was the even the Eurus Meghead line was partially covered because of the laugh track. Yeah, and and um, yeah, and that that that's a problem. I think it, it adds to the authenticity of it to me a little bit. Like, it does genuinely feel like you're laughing in a in a room with friends rather than you know a, a pre-recorded laugh track. Um, interestingly, with Red Dwarf, this this one. Was uh, was a, an American pilot was made some years after this one uh, launched, 
Um, and I have seen the American pilot and it is horrendous. <laughs> and I think I think your point, Christian, it is, it is very uniquely British, is that it doesn't translate well. Um, and no. and they filled, they filled a, a bunch of the characters um, with American actors and then slowly one by one brought the English cast over. So everyone but Lister um, made... Uh, made the show and they had a, a guy called Craig Bierko playing Lister who was a very tall, dark, handsome, square-jawed man which doesn't really gel with the Lister that we know. And they also had immediately brought in uh, a female character and they also brought in, um, I think so, So uh, uh, Holly I think is played by a female um, and might even be Jane Levy from, or Jane Levy uh, from, from um, Frasier. Yeah. Uh, is is in there and um, and they brought J- Danny John Jules and they brought uh, Chris Barry over, um, but it didn't work. It's terrible, and I urge everyone to watch it because <laughs> it is such a train wreck of a show. If you can get your hands on it, um, <laughs> now the next show I, I'd heard about but wasn't overly familiar with Jake. Tell everyone about Last Man on Earth. Okay, so after a, a deadly virus seems to have wiped out all of humanity, you're introduced to Phil, uh, is his name, I believe. Yes, Phil. Um, he is basically driving around the countryside looking for other signs of life. All you hear, see him is driving state to state, crossing off on the map, trying to find other people. And he ends up in Tacoma, I think it is. Um, and basically, you just see his first five months of him kind of living by himself as the last man on Earth. And that's pretty much the bulk of the first episode. Yeah, it's... um. It wasn't as funny as I thought. I, I was genuinely with Lord and Miller. So Chris, Chris Lord and uh, I'm going to butcher that, but it's Lord and Miller, the the, the director, uh, directors Lord of Christian Miller. Thank you. The the uh, the directors of the Lego Movie and um, Twenty One Jump Street, and have been involved. They were in the Spider Man into the Spider Verse uh, in that way as well. Well known sort of comedy writers. They directed the first episode, and it was written by Will Forte, who plays plays the lead. I was really expecting a lot of comedy. I kind of found the first first episode a bit boring, to be honest. I thought the first the first fifteen minutes with him, kind of, it was funny because he he came, he finished his road trip and said, "Home sweet home," and he opened up the doors and it was a tiny little house. And I and I thought to myself, why wouldn't you go to a giant mansion or something? And then the very next scene, he's driving to a giant mansion, and he's doing all the stuff that honestly I would probably do. And I thought it was amazing that he he was he went he went and got the you know the, the rug from the, the the White House, and he went got he yep. went and got you know, Oscars and he went and got famous pictures and he obviously he's just ransacking all the famous places. What what personally I would go and do. Um, I, th- I thought that was really interesting, and I thought once he kind of did that, the the show took a really dark and kind of boring tone. Yeah, for me, the amusing part was in that first 10, 15 minutes where you see him wandering around and, and looting all the things. I had a good giggle when he stole the, the, the rug from um, the White House. Yeah, the, 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 it's, it's a rug with a presidential yeah. seal from the Oval Office. You see him hanging like famous works of Impressionist art around the house, particularly the toilet. He has wash, uh, He has the big, the actual, I'm guessing it's the original, big painting of Washington Crop. Um, crossing the Delaware during the Revolutionary War, and he kind of staples that to the wall behind the bed, just so, so it's there. And you have this real picture of this real slovenly guy because he's got a big beard and he's an overweight guy. And he's you see him go to the supermarket and he just piles packets of chips and pornography into his into his uh, into his shopping trolley. So you, you're not you realize that this is what would happen if the last man on earth, the last human being alive, was just a slob. Um, and in that, it's, in that, it's very similar to, to uh, Red Dwarf. In that, the, the the main protagonist, the character, is you know, I wouldn't even say Joe Everyman. He really is depicted to be really slovenly. Yeah, and that's I think that's that's the humor is that the last person on Earth is not a shining example of humanity. He's not a he's not resourceful. He's not no. He's not MacGyver. He can't do things. He's basically not handy at all, and couldn't help himself out if he tried. And I'd. I, I guess I was I was waiting for something a little bit better than what he was what he chose to do. There was some stuff in there. I was like, oh, that's amusing, but it feels like they all got together in a writers' room and tried to toss around wacky adventures of the last guy on earth. And 
I was expecting something a bit funnier. I, maybe the raids would have been better going and seeing other people's houses. I question why he wouldn't have just stayed at the White House. Like, if you were picking a house, why wouldn't you go to Elon Musk's house? Well, or... well I mean, because I think he's trying to stay in his hometown. That's but probably... why? What's the point? I don't understand. Like, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, why would you stay there in a mansion? Like, wouldn't you go to when the White House has bowling alley, has the best of the best shit, uh, kitchen equipment? You know, as a movie theater, I know. I know there has no power. Obviously, they show there no power. But again, why is there no power? Like, I just there's, there's things like that. Would I got to ask? The, I mean, obviously, the first episode. Yeah. Of why is there no power? That, that's because he's in a house that doesn't actually have any separate powers generation system. Like, and that's why you would go to like a off the grid, you know, luxury mansion somewhere that has its own solar oh, panels or wind power or some kind of some kind of system. Um, and at the same time, you also see a scene of him out in the backyard or where there's a swimming pool and he's actually just piled it full of bags of rubbish. Mm-hmm. You know, he really, and that kind of gets to the, the point of well, perhaps why he's living in this dank you know, house, which must stink like death from all the rubbish piled around. He's not a very smart guy. Well, I just go from house to house. You, yeah. you trash one house and move to the next one. Though. Yeah, that's right. That's what you do. I just think, you know, and yes, it is a comedy. So you are seeing him do silly things, but as you, as you Joe, every man, wouldn't you kind of try and establish you know, one power because you want you, you, you hook up, he hooked up a generator. You can see him hook up a generator, but you want to see him do more of that. And I don't know, I just he went he went from being you know relatively funny to being horribly depressed within five months. I don't, I'm not sure five months is a long enough mm-hmm. time to really trash a house and give up on life. I, I, like that's just that's just me personally. Well, it, just, it just seems like a short time. Well, once again, he's, he's not he's not very good at life. Uh, and you see him actually trying to make friends with um, soccer balls and tennis balls, you know, just like Tom Hanks did in in, um, in Castaway, and that you know, so there's a bit of a pop culture nod to that show there, and that's kind of that's kind of amusing, but even that doesn't really help him, and he ends up um, effectively getting ready to attempt suicide. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So he he tries. He actually drives towards a, a rock, but then sees Which is the worst way to do it. By the way, like just yeah, wouldn't he just go and get a gun? Like, I just don't understand the thought process is. He shoots guy. out windows in the very first scene, like he's got a gun. I just yeah, so it doesn't make a lot of sense why he why he does what he does in certain circumstances. I, I look, he he is the everyman. Like he's even worse than the everyman. And I, I think a lot of what we're seeing there is probably what we would all do. And I think there's a lot of realness on the on the screen. Um, if there was nobody to impress, would you shave? Would you bother shaving? Would you wear clean clothes? Would you wear pants? Would you? You know, would you eat healthily if you were the last person no, on earth with I, no with no point? You got it. You got it. You'd have some pride, not some pride, but you'd still make your like. Why would you just live in a pile of rubbish? But isn't but isn't that the philosophical discussion? If, if you're if you're not if you know that you've made the decision or you've you've decided from his his travels around, he's seen not another person for five or six months. So he has to. He's come to the conclusion. I think it's the right conclusion that he is genuinely the last person on earth. So if all of that's out, if you've got no other society structures at all that you need to manage, would you do? Would you bother with any of that? I still don't think I'd live in a pile of rubbish. Like I think I think that's where I think that that's what really kind of like irks. Obviously, because you probably want to keep all your stuff together. Like you went and collected all this. That's the thing is like you've collected all this fancy stuff and amazing things throughout the American history. I wouldn't trash my house. That's just, that's just me personally. I mean, I, I don't I don't see the point in like the bowling scenes where he's just smashing stuff. I mean, I know he needs to find things to do, but at the end of the day, I, I think also got to remember that he was driving around state to state. That would take a long time to do. So that's, that's talking probably a, year, a good year or so uh, it's, driving around the whole country. No, no, you, you could do, you could do that in, in yeah, a if couple you're, of months. If, if you're actually like looking for people, you kind of travel state to state looking you know, actually looking for people. Yeah, I would have thought that that takes up more of it. I, look, it's it's filler. It's filler content to me. It's it's what wacky stuff can he do that you that you would do if you had the opportunity to. And I think that some of that stuff that he does is is too quickly glossed over. I think that whole first episode is him cruising around, as you said, Jake, going state to state. It's an opportunity to kind of do a, what's interesting in each state. I, to me, that's the montage. The whole episode should have just been him driving around. Um, but you you also need to establish that a he's not a particularly clean guy, you know the the toilet that he makes, which is just cutting out the diving board of a pool, so he can shit in the pool is is pretty much his entire thought process, and he's pretty happy with that. He thinks that's pretty smart. But would um, you a hole like I mean surely there's anyway 
it, there's many things that I mean. I, I guess it's you're kind of comparing like what would you do on the last day? I, and let me, let me. I did actually like this show. I thought it was actually relatively f- funny for the first 15, 20 minutes. I, I just there's a, I look at it and go, what would you do? And I just there's things that I I don't think many people would actually do in that situation. I, I think there's the what you think you would do and what you would actually do system that comes comes to life here. I think part of you thinks. You know, it's it's like the same when you see an action movie. Part of you goes, "Oh, I'd I'd stop that guy. I'd I'd tackle that guy." And then there's the reality of I'd probably just hide under a table. Like I'd be that guy who just but you know, doesn't want to get involved. A shopping center? Like surely you'd actually go and just live in a shopping center. But but you're not. There's no external threat. Like it's not like a, a zombie situation where you're you're under an external threat. And you've got to. He's literally the yeah. last person. He's he's not. Yeah, but- and, and you also don't see any animals either. For what it's worth, you see nothing, and that's really interesting. That they show you nothing. They didn't show like dead people hanging around or animals. There's nobody around, and but I still think you go to a more central place like a shopping center. You can make that perfectly lovely in a in like living in a department store, and then you have everything right there in access to you. Yeah, I, I just don't, don't see the point because you it wouldn't be the most comfortable thing. I'd rather be in a in a proper house. Well, for what reason? Like, there's um, no but- there's no power. You can't watch TV or. Yeah, but you can you can go to a house that has power. I mean, there's bound to be yeah, ones true. that have they're off the grid and have their own power systems and their own sewerage systems and don't require to fill up the bloody toilet system. We, we, we see him we see him hook up a generator to watch Castaway. So there there is ways of doing it that run on fuel. He's clearly got access to fuel because he's driving around in a big bus. Mm. So so there are systems that will run where you can cook food. You can have a light. You can put lighting, you can put fairy lights around the place and plug that into a power board. That's lighting off a generator. Like there is ways and means of doing it. There will be electric toilet pumps that he could buy that he can or he could find, I mean. So he's he's just not very resourceful. And so mm. that kind of annoys me as an audience member where he hasn't set anything up. And he's kind of just he's he's just drifting. He is a drifter. And that's I guess the joke is that he is the worst person to to, to leave alive. Like, why him? Um, and then by the end of the episode, yeah. obviously we realise that he's he's not the last person um, alive, and so there is another person. Hmm. Yeah, which is bound to happen. I just, I, I just, I just feel like it, it's not what I would do, and that kind of annoys me. And, that, and obviously they can't please everyone because that's that's not what the show's about. But um, I, I almost would rather watch a like a an every man kind of figure it out and see his him setting up his life almost like Castaway did with the way they show him setting up his life uh, and then but still being funny and take like going to stealing things like stealing important documents and stealing the important like I'd love to see him walking with, yeah. with the docu- with the Declaration of Independence like stuff like that and just walking with that and show him go and get that rather than what we see yeah, so kind of like a really shitty Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, that, okay. yeah like, I think that, I think it, it, like I said, it's an opportunity to showcase the different states and the things that you would actually do. I mean, if you could do anything right now, knowing that there's no consequences and there's no one around, um, you know, I, I and I wonder whether whether this show would actually benefit from a narrator or something because there's basically no dialogue apart from when he's sort of talking to the balls after a little while Jesus to keep the running joke, which which the joke is he says there's no way anyone would ever end up talking to balls. That's ridiculous, Tom Hanks. And then he, he ends up doing it. And it's like, okay, that's I can see that that was the joke you were going for. I just think the thing, it's, it's just criminally unfunny. I, that's my issue with it. Um, yep. And, and yeah, I, it, look, how, how did this happen? What event is this where they've left no bodies and all the animals are wiped out as well and you're the only one left? That's not even broached you probably never get a decent enough answer because there's no one around that can actually solve that issue. Um, and and for what it's worth, it doesn't really matter. Um, I just I just wished it was funnier. And with someone like Will, Will Forte, who is a, f- a funny a funny dude, and with Lord and Miller there, I was just really surprised that I didn't I didn't have a better time with this. But I, I really loved the first fifteen minutes. I just really wish you kept that tone all the way through. And I think the the talking to the to the people or to the balls got really old very, very quickly. I just, I didn't find that funny at all. I, I thought the, the part where he actually met the female was, was relatively funny with the psych out where it kind of looks like she's going to be like a Sheldon Cooper kind of person, um, be really proper mm. and make sure you speak proper English. And you, 
that's where the conflict's going to come from. I found her incredibly annoying. Yes, straight away. Like she, and really that, annoying. I'm not sure if she was meant to be that annoying. And uh, I, I love Kristen Schell. Like she's been in a heap of stuff, Flight of the Concords, and she turns up in lots of different places. I really like her. I'd, I'd almost just, to be like, you know that um, that Palm Springs show we watched, Shan? Yeah. I'd rather like be that that female character. I think she would have brought a better energy to the to the show, where I think the energy level wasn't really high from either of them, which kind of dragged you down a little bit as well. Isn't the isn't the issue? He has to be likable. Isn't isn't that the difference with this show? Is that he has to be a likable? He could be a slob and be likable, and I don't think they do enough to establish his likability early on. Like the, like he he. I, th- I think I think they missed opportunity, like you said, by going around and ta- showing us what he's stealing and kind of talking to himself and having a running commentary on why he's taking it might be might be funnier. Like if, if it was me, I'd go and find the first edition of Batman. And that's what I'll, that'd be my mission for like whatever mission that would be. Go find the very first edition of Batman or Superman and build, like find all those collectibles. That'd be my. Would you, my would you care about that once the whole society's gone? I, I, I guess if you, if you had months to kill, sure, I'd just. Travel around trying to find what it. To do? <laughs> Go travel around trying to find it, and he seems he takes random things, which is funny, mm. but he doesn't explain why he's taking them, and you don't you don't understand you don't understand him as a character because you ha- they haven't shown you what he's like, and, and you haven't mm. you want to get to know this character right away. You want to draw you in by his personality or his humor or his likes or his interests, and you don't you kind of get a mix mash of everything in this episode. Yeah, he's just not a very smart guy. And that's what this whole show comes down to. It's, it's basically what happens when a dumb man lives through the apocalypse, basically. With a great appreciation of art and its value. like Well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have a great appreciation of art. He has a great appreciation of what he thinks, like uh, uh, that he should have art because it's, you know, it's important stuff and it's valuable and it's, and it's, and it's to be desired. But he doesn't actually respect it. He doesn't actually care for it. He doesn't appreciate it whatsoever. He just... Hangs it around like a trophy. But he, but he, he has say, he knows what is good art and what is bad art. Like he, he knows well, he knows he's got to go and get certain certain artworks that are worth more than others. So he at least understands it. If you ask me, if you put eight pictures up and said which one of those is valuable, I couldn't tell you which ones. Unless well, like a Mona Lisa or something, or Van Gogh. Do you guys remember the episode of Futurama where Zoid, where everyone gets the stimulus check and Zoidberg wanders around the old whole episode trying to spend his his stimulus money on what rich people do. Um. That is basically what this guy is doing. He's just trying to get all the trappings of what he thinks you know is, is supposed to be the best of the best, and just have them and hoard them like a dragon. Yeah, it's um, you know, you understand as an audience, it's shorthand for he's he's gone and got a, a bunch of valuable stuff, and you see a T Rex skull um, on the on the kitchen on table. the kitchen table, and he gets he gets a couple of Oscars. He's oh, he's wearing a Michael Jordan jersey, like he's he's clearly kind of gone and got rated a bunch of stuff but whose oscars are they like whose house did he break into is more interesting to me i I wanted to know where he got the stuff like i'm like where'd you get michael jackson's thriller jumper jacket from whose oscars did you steal he did point out that he was wearing hugh hefner's actual pajamas but it was okay because he washed them first but but i want to also don't also don't know i'm not sure if it's shown in the very first scene is if you're not from america then don't really care about because i don't know where tacoma is is it Washington? I don't. I don't. I don't is no, it, he's Nevada. Tucson, Tucson Nevada. Tucson, Arizona. Tucson, Arizona. Oh, sorry, is that Arizona, close to Washington sorry, yeah. DC? Like, I don't. I don't know these things. Like, he, he's obviously travelled to Washington. Boys, which one are you recommending to the audience? Which Which show tickled your fancy? I think Christian's going to have some some fireworks here, so I'm going to let Christian go first. Fireworks. All right. You, you, you seem to bring the you seem to bring the the wow, the the shock factor. Well, I think everyone's a bit predictable of what I'm going to say, so you're the unpredictable one. Yeah, look, I, I did enjoy both. Uh, well, I enjoyed Red Dwarf. Um, it was it was good for a bit of a laugh, a bit of a nostalgia trip. I've got to say, though, I, I didn't laugh as much as I thought I was going to. As It wasn't as funny, as quite as funny as I remembered it being. Um, but that said, I really didn't find Last Man on Earth very amusing or entertaining at all. I found myself getting distracted and, and you know, my mind wandering through the episode. It wasn't really engaging. For me, even though it's an old show and it's definitely a cult classic and it's probably not going to be for everyone, I'm going to go with Red Dwarf. And I would certainly encourage anyone who hasn't heard of Red Dwarf or hasn't seen it or if you haven't seen British comedy before, jump into it, give it a go, watch the first couple of episodes, see if you see if it's something you're into. You never know. You might find yourself turning into a bit of a smeghead. <laughs> I, uh, I watched uh, Red Dwarf again for the, the, the thousandth time. 
Uh, I found myself saying every line. My six-year-old son watched it with me, and him doing him saying "Rimmer, you're a smeghead" in a British accent is the best thing that I've ever heard in my life. I don't care what anyone else says; you can say, you can say the nicest things to me. That is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. I did. I did actually didn't mind the Last Man on Earth. I, I do like um, Will Forte. I think he is funny, but the humor was lacking. I really, I think I would have done a lot of things different and even shot the show a bit differently. But I am going to give it another shot. I'm going to keep watching it and see where it turns up. But if I have to choose one, I'm going to choose Red Dwarf every day of the week. It's what everything Christian said, everything Shane said. I can look past the the dry stuff in the middle. It's not for everyone, but I think everyone should check it out. It's definitely a cult classic to, to my mind. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm an unashamed Red Dwarf lover, and this pilot episode I think is a really good exponent of what the show's all about, and it, you won't um, you won't be disappointed. I was really disappointed in The Last Man Standing. Uh, Last Man Standing. Jeez. Maybe maybe I'll watch the last that worst that's no. the worst show the Tim Allen show no thank you no. uh, Last Man on Earth I I was really disappointed I really knowing that Will Forte and Lord Miller were behind it I really wanted to like it more than I did in fact I actually watched ahead I watched about three or four more episodes uh, in a row and still didn't like it so I really have given it a crack it does fine as a pilot I think it tells you enough about the world I just don't think the world's very interesting so a little bit disappointed I also say Shan in Red Dwarf it has probably my favourite theme song you only hear it at the end but going forward you hear it at the start um i i it's it's the most ridiculous theme song for the setting yeah. I, I love it with everything in my heart i'll sing it gladly and happily every day and i will say that red dwarf has some of my most used quotes in the world that i actually use smeghead i use all the time maliciously with intent to wound is one of my favorite <laughs> favorite lines if anyone hits me i i, I love it I, I love red dwarf but I do, I do, um, I do want to hold back a little bit because you know, I think it's, I think I'm gushing now. Hmm. Oh, look, we're, we're unashamed fanboys, and it is absolutely worth it. But it's probably worth saying it's not for everyone. If you're if you're a fan of British humour, and I think, look, if I was summarising our audience, I reckon they're probably very similar to us. So they'll probably enjoy it if they haven't seen it. Uh, definitely worth giving it a go. Um, if you if you're a big fan of uh, Last Man on Earth, we'd love to to find out what you liked and and particularly. Uh, you know, why we're wrong or, or why we're right. I like to be told we're right. That's nice too. Uh, <laughs> we love validation. Nice we do love validation. Yeah, validation enough? I don't think we do. Jake, we, we, own, we run a two podcasts for the purposes of validation. That's all we do it for. Um, so, <laughs> we, you know, that's, we're we all about that. We only hear nice things when when our, like, 100th episode comes around. Yeah. Between, like, 1 and 99, it was all just, you guys are awful. And then, you know, 100 was, like, all good again. And then, like, 105 is still we're back to awful again. So yeah, yeah maybe hang in there for episode 105, uh, one, 200, 200. Yeah, but we're aiming for 200 to be nice again. For people if, we, nice. if we get there, I mean, jeez, a long time. Um, but of course, this episode brought to you by Dave Lister's Ashes Tester. Uh, how do you know your your loved ones are pure unless Dave tests it? All right, you ready to call the outro? Yep, talent's here. Let's go. All right, you want to warm up or anything first? No, I'm no. good. <clears throat> okay, hit me now. Remember, no cliches. Funny, light, it's a podcast. Go. In a world. Always do this. It's the first one. But that's, that's It's what, the most but obvious but one. But that's what good trends. No. No. Just no. On the edge of space. Shand. Bedroom. House. Podcast. Us. Go. Jurassic Park meets Twilight. Imagine it. Yeah. yeah. We're a podcast. But We're not a movie. Dun, dun, dun. We podcast. Us talking about movies. Is it just, just, no, no, just go. Is it because the, no, ger- the T-Rex no. has little arms and couldn't stab him in the chest with a stack? Go. A rooster and a cat are friends? I know you're a cock, but this... That's helpful. Come on. Movies, podcasts, it's us talking about them. Go. Two idiots have a podcast. They talk about movies and nonsense. If you'd like to join in that conversation, you can hit them up on masspodcasters at gmail.com or talk to them on Facebook. That's so hard? Yeah, my voice hurts a little. I've got a tickle, and I actually think Jurassic Park and Twilight as a crossover would work. <sighs> Shut up.